Welcome to Do Theology, where we keep doctrine in its place. It is episode number 100, official episode number 100. Uh, We are back together again, recording for the first time in a long time, instead of doing our own individual things. We've got some stuff to share about what's been going on, the future of the podcast, and we're even going to put our dispensational underwear on the outside that's and right. react to a video. Uh, so that's coming up after the music. Don't ask me what I feel about myself. Ask me what I know about God. Ask me what I know about his word. I just realized something. He wasn't sleeping on a pillow. He was sleeping on purpose. Something to say I think is important but not essential would be like the inerrancy of scripture. Um, oh, wow. And okay. I hold to the Okay. Title of my sermon tonight is Why Church Nurseries Are Unscriptural and Wrong. And so that's why I have a baby on my hip right here. There is a level of anointing that I believe is going to invade your homes, invade your sight, invade your senses. Um, That's going to, I literally feel that chains are going to break off of you. Do you think I'm wrong? Yeah. Yeah. Yay. So am I a bad guy for saying you're wrong? I am? Yeah. (laughs) That's not fair. Hey, by the way, you are a slave. If you're not a slave of Christ, you're a slave of sin. You aren't free. Choose your master. Give us some men who know the truth. All right, episode number one zero zero with our new studio look our new uh backgrounds going on ken feels good to be back in the saddle here with you tell you we started from the bottom and now we're here <laughs> yeah we're next to the bottom <laughs> <laughs> take take that bottom <laughs> wow well we we have changed our uh set setups sets up a little bit where mm-hmm. i'm no longer sitting in front of my computer you're no longer sitting in front of your computer we've worked on backdrops we've gotten a little fancier this is exciting which those who listen exclusively on podcasts <laughs> know nothing about but if you're on youtube <laughs> the vast, you the vast gotta, majority of our audience yeah it's like you a, have okay. the you have the privilege of still seeing my bald head and jeremy's ugly face so and today wearing a Mariners ball cap mm. because uh, that's all I, I got going on in the baseball season. My favorite team yeah. is the Cardinals. I like to cheer for the Oakland A's as my secondary team. Uh, I love all of baseball. There are some teams I like more than others. Out of the teams that are left, I tend to like the Mariners, and that's who I'm cheering for because my team's out of it. And uh, Ken, what about your team? My, if For all intents and purposes, my team is out of it as well. Sadly, yeah. they collapsed. They, they were at the beginning of September had a 90% chance, according to the odds makers, you know, uh, for making the playoffs. And they have, they have soiled the bed, so to speak. Uh, yeah, it's been, it's been a pretty rough month. Phil Johnson on X, he uh, said that someone who knows that he's a, a Chicago Cubs fan told mm-hmm. him that the Cubs should move to the Philippines and call themselves the Manila folders. Oh, that's terrible. Also true. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. See the Cardinals didn't fold this year. They just, they, they just uh, never stunk came the to whole play time. In the first place. <laughs> <laughs> they, they never came to the table. So, 
Yeah. Know? Well, but hey, what about fantasy baseball? That's something that's happened since the last time we recorded together. Nobody fantasy wants fantasy baseball. Nobody wants to ended. listen to fantasy baseball talk. And I won. And what happened to your team? My team was like the Cardinals. <laughs> Never came to play in the first place. But nobody wants to listen to our fantasy baseball talk. Come on. But I want to tell people I won and that you stunk. Okay. So. Well, okay. Well, then the point has been made. <laughs> Very good. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, here we are at our 100th official episode. And of course, this isn't our technically our 100th episode. How many more episodes have we done that we didn't give numbers to? Maybe like 30 or 40? Yeah, that's a good question. We had you know different blog posts that were read. We had uh, different bonus episodes of different kinds come through that, that we didn't yeah, number as like an official episode. I don't really know how any of that really matters much. But yeah, this is this is our 100th what we are dubbing as our 100th episode. So yeah, yeah, we're just having a good time with it. A little banter here and there, which is good. Yeah. Uh, if you count up all of our downloads, um, I think we're around 85,000 podcast downloads mm. on YouTube. We're over 100,000 views on YouTube. 20,000 hours watched. We just got a, uh, a badge oh. for that on YouTube. 20,000 hours. Wow. Uh, we get about 1200 downloads a week on the podcast side of things uh, just so people are kind of aware of you know uh, how far we've come and that, that's been in three and a half years our podcast has been going for a little over three and a half years now three years and eight months basically and uh, it's been fun now we have changed things up recently as you guys know where uh, Ken has just been too busy for us to be meeting together like this. But, you know, now that we're doing it, I kind of, I really miss doing this, Ken. This is fun. I, I, I've i missed it as well. Yeah, I'm enjoying this. Yeah. Uh, how about you rearrange your life so we can do this more? What's wrong with that you? That would be fantastic. That's, uh, I think we're a little <laughs> bit dependent upon the Lord's, the Lord's uh, sovereign providence in the midst of that. But, yeah. I, I'm his messenger telling you this is what he wants for hey. you. Hey. <laughs> this is also the episode where we come out as charismatics. Okay. <laughs> uh, uh, so yeah, we, we have had to switch things up. Um, so I'll just speak for my side of things, kind of give my perspective of what I'm doing and, and where I see it going just for the sake of the listener. Who's uh, been following us. I, I know we've, we've talked about it before. Obviously we had a little episode talking about it before we launched, but now we're in the middle of it. And I'm doing these long form interviews with interesting guests. Mm -hmm. I am, I'm picking these guests as I find them to be interesting people. And uh, there are a couple of things going on. One is I want to just bring interesting stories and perspectives onto the podcast, just because I think that's that in and of itself is beneficial. But also I think my interacting with these guests will hopefully demonstrate some of the values that we have in the chart mm -hmm. as far as recognizing primary doctrine, secondary doctrine, and tertiary things, doubtful things. Uh, because those, those issues on the chart cover everything in the Christian life. Every conversation basically comes back to the chart in one way or another. And hopefully as I have guys on that we disagree with, uh, we can push back on each other in love from time to time. At other times, recognize issues as not uh, primary and can just kind of let them sit there. Uh, but also develop, you know, a, a good dialogue that would benefit the Christian who listens to this. So mm. now that, that's that been the whole goal there. And I think I'm doing what I had hoped I would do. I, we've got some really interesting ones lined up. There have been four that have released. I've already recorded, I think, five more. <laughs> so I'm way ahead on recording. 
And uh, the next one that's coming out is with Nahum O'Brien, who started the Hermeneutics podcast. That comes out next week. And he's a guy who's battling cancer. He's an Iraq war veteran. He's been a church planter. He's into hermeneutics. I mean, it's just a fascinating individual. Mm. And we have a fascinating two plus hour conversation. And so uh, that's what I'm up to. But I want to start mixing in here pretty soon some react videos. Now that I'm so far ahead on those long form interviews, I want to mix in uh, some reacts too to have you guys, you listeners, some t- some weeks get two episodes out where there will be a React video come out on a Monday or a Thursday or something uh, just for fun. So that's what I'm up to, and I, I'm really enjoying myself. Good, yeah. And, and as a as a listener, I'm enjoying listening to those interviews. There have been quite several of those that I've really greatly enjoyed and found very quite quite interesting. I say several. There's been four. Uh, all of them fit into that category. So. Oh, thank you. Yes. Yeah, four yeah. for four on interesting. Yes, it's, it's, it's been very, very enjoyable. So I'm grateful for that. And of course, my end of the spectrum has been very, very different as well. Uh, shorter episodes, although uh, the last one was was uh, longer, especially, you know, I tried to do a segmented show. Uh, chartology is what we kind of landed on for the name for it. Really digging into the particular doctrines within the chart. So, so much of the conversation around primary and secondary doctrine centers around not just what the categories are, but how do you discern what fits into each category? And so I spent uh, the first several episodes just kind of laying some groundwork, and I have one more episode of groundwork to lay before diving into particular doctrines. But looking forward to making individual videos, making a case for why this particular doctrine, whatever it is that's of the focus for that individual episode, why it belongs in the column in which we have placed it within the chart. So many times the discussion is, well, you know, I really like the concepts, but I don't think this belongs in this column. Oh, you missed the boat on this. That should be over there. And we want to kind of make a case for why we think things belong where they do. And the goal the entire time has always been making biblical cases. What does the Bible actually say? And then how can we categorize it based on the biblical text? And so that's the goal. I'm looking forward to that. I think there's. I think it's going to generate some interesting discussion, especially there's a there's a few hot button issues that typically end up uh, a big discussion point. So wrestling with some of those things will be fun. But then I like the 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 last episode I did. I, I didn't have the segments. Well, I'm going to have these segments, and I've got some really neat things that I am excited about and passionate about. Looking forward to diving into just some what might seem like random topics here and there, but topics of interest. And then of course, recommending different resources along the way as well. So yeah, it's, it's, it's been fun. It's, I, I am not ahead. You've got, I don't know how many episodes ahead you said you are. You're like, <laughs> yeah. My, then one I'm going to be recording the interview I'm doing next, which I think is next week. Yeah. Next Friday, I'm recording an interview. That one won't come out until December sometime. Oh yeah. Wow. I, I'm I'm doing all I can to to get the recording done by the the week that it uh, it, it is intended to come out. So, uh, yeah, I am not ahead. Although, as I've been kind of sketching things out and outlining things, I'm not ahead with the recording. I am ahead a little bit on thinking ahead for each episode, and I could probably knock out several more recordings in quicker succession this point moving forward. That secondary doctrine episode took more prep time than I think other episodes yeah. might take. So. And that was a great episode. Uh, you've done, what, three now? Three episodes? That's correct, yeah. And uh, I think that last one was the best one, even though I was missing the segments. I like having the the different segments. I think that's really fun. Whereas I've been kind of modeling what I'm doing after the Joe Rogan experience. You're kind of doing what you're doing, modeling after an, uh, a, a show like The Plodcast. But there are others that do that too, where 
you've got the different themes that you hit on in those yeah. segments and uh they're all kind of recurring they all kind of go together it's it's cool um but yeah I, i've enjoyed listening to those and again the the chart provides us with limitless content yes. and uh you'll be demonstrating that in the weeks years decades to come <laughs> Well, our hope is that someday we, you know, we kind of joked about it earlier, but our hope is that we will be able to record more like this again in the future. Uh, yes. That, that, you know, we, we, we kind of have our separate things. It's almost like we've got two podcasts in one RSS feed right now. Yes. Right. And we do want to have a joint podcast again. Like that is a goal <laughs> that we would like to get to. Yeah. Where the Lord has us at this moment. It's not happening. We, well, we, I mean, we made it work just, for today. You just described how like you doing that last episode on your own it was difficult to get yeah. that done on time because of all the stuff you got going on. And that's an episode where you're the one generating all the content. You're the one setting up the time to record just by yourself or doing whatever editing you need to do. And you could record at midnight if you wanted, you don't have to match schedules or anything. And it was still difficult. Yeah. So that basically illustrates the point as to why we have to do it the way that we were doing it right now. Right. Yeah. So uh, with that said, there's also some interesting stuff that we have in the works, and we want to just drop a little hint right now to something we've been working on behind the scenes that you'll be hearing more about in the months ahead. Um, we've been working on a podcast network. Did I say too much? Have oh, I said too much, Oh, Ken? no. Oh, no. Yeah. So isn't this uh, – um, I was actually trying to pull up the email right now. Um you're going you're gonna to share with the people our personal emails and the I'm things gonna, that we've gonna, said behind closed doors, as it were? I'm not going to share the whole thing, but I was just, I wanted to give credit to this individual. And Oh, okay. All right. Um, I'm trying to pull it up. Oh, the uh, the listener email that we got. Okay. Yes. I thought you were talking about our emails with the uh, people who are going to oh, be a part no, of the no, podcast no, no, network. No, no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, no, the, the, thinking, had... uh, wow, Ken, we were talking about not sharing too much and you're just <laughs> jump, jumping in with no, no. Uh, <laughs> at first. <laughs> Well, so as we were expressing this this uh, need to have to have a new show format, uh, we had a listener write in and provide a suggestion towards us that we've actually kind of taken and, and run with now. And the idea was essentially, okay, Jeremy mentioned, okay, a podcast network. This is something that Jeremy and I have talked about and have thought about before. In fact, mm -hmm. pretty early on in the development of our show, we talked about this idea of, you know, maybe we don't know where this is going to go, but maybe this is one Thing that could develop out of our Do Theology podcast is maybe at some point there'll be some kind of network that would be formed. And we explored that idea, I think probably on a couple of occasions about what it would look like and, and how we would make this work. But each time there were points along the way where it's just like, you know what, now's not the right time. We just, let's just put a pin in it for now. Maybe we'll come back to it, but now's not the right time. Well, when we got into this new format of having to go this direction with Jeremy and his show and me with mine, we had a listener write in and suggest, and I, I, I'm, I can't actually pull up the email right now. I can't find it for the moment. Huh. Um, but uh, wait, I wouldn't. Ken, are you sabotaging really, this episode? Really bad at podcasting right now. Uh, but yes, the, the, I did find it. Uh, Brian is his name. He wrote in and suggested, hey, you know, have you guys ever thought about doing a, like a podcast network and bringing in other like-minded individuals to be part of the network and, and kind of collaborate with these content creators? Because there are other individuals that, that we have a profound appreciation and respect for 
that are making high quality, excellent content. And it would be great to kind of bring those people together into one network for the purpose of cross promotion and uh, just greater visibility with one another and each other's shows and such. And so we thought, you know what, maybe we should explore this concept again. So we kind of dipped our toes in the water, kind of put out our feelers, kind of just interacted with a few individuals. And this thing seems like it might have some legs. So we don't fully it does know. have legs. We don't. I mean, it, it, it's kind of we're, we're kind of past the point of maybe it has legs. It does have legs. It does have legs. We don't know fully what this is going to look like and how it's all going to come together at this point. Right. Like we're not ready to like announce and say this is happening and it's going to be on this date and it's going to have this name. Like we're still in the early formation discovery phase, I think. But we're pretty late into the discovery phase, I'd say. Yes. And we're about to put in, we're, we're about to begin this, the process of, okay, let's take action. You know, let's, let's get into this. So that's kind of and exciting. And we're looking at a, uh, a launch of first quarter 2024. Sometime in those first three months of 2024, we'd like to launch. Yeah. So, uh, so thank you, Brian, in, for kind of nudging us and kind of reigniting this idea that we've had before, but this is just kind of, flowing back in again yeah that's that's uh that's neat so we're grateful for that and now i want to i want to say a little more about it to add to the hype here i don't want to sell it short uh we're actually a little bit blown away with how it's come together okay because um we have asked select people to consider being a part of this and we've had some zoom meetings we've had email threads and stuff like that and the people who are coming together for this are high quality people. Let me tell yes, you, yes, we are, yeah. we are creating something here that's going to be special. And the Ken mentioned, these are people that we have appreciated and have wanted to partner with. And we've appreciated them and wanted to partner with them, not just because they're good content creators or funny or entertaining or uh, engaging, interesting Christians. Beyond that, they share our theological mm-hmm. distinctives. Yeah. And this is a group that is going to be unapologetically dispensational and cessationist Uh, and complementarian. Yeah. Uh, These things are are going to be going on in that group. So it's going to be a unique podcast network. There are other podcast networks out there. There are several of them. Very few have the similar uh, secondary doctrine distinctives Mm. that they share. And that's going to be the main focus of this group. Uh, Not the content necessarily, though it'll definitely come out in the content on a frequent regular basis. Uh, but, but the focus of this group's unity is going to extend beyond the primary doctrine column into that secondary column on those issues of dispensationalism, cessationism and complementarianism. And so, uh, that's what makes this network unique. And I can't wait to share more with you about who's in it and how it's all going to be rolled out. Yeah. So details forthcoming. And so, uh, with all of that said, to go ahead and again put that dispensational underwear on the outside, uh-huh. uh, since we since we said uh, that's one of the distinctives, or the you could even say the major distinctive of this network that's forming. And you guys know if you've been listening to us, you know where dispensational comes out quite a bit. Um, we thought we would go ahead and give you some sort of content here besides just us bantering and giving you updates. We're going to do a little bit of a react video mm. to a, a documentary that was made on dispensationalism. Uh, so we're giving you some theological fodder here. It's the hundredth episode of the Do Theology podcast. We can't leave you without some theological conversation. That's right. It's so we're going to do that. 
And uh, this documentary is stinking long, man. This documentary is one hour and 58 minutes and 43 seconds. Wow. All right. <clears throat> we are jumping to the one hour and 28 minute mark. It is titled The Church Impotent, mm. The History and Theology of Dispensationalism. It was made by a friend of mine, an Orthodox Presbyterian church pastor in Magna, Utah, Jason Wallace. He's also a friend of James White's. If you listen to James White, you know that he refers to Jason Wallace a lot as the guy who sets up his debates in Utah mm. and whatnot. Mm. Well, he is, uh, make, no, make no mistake about it, Jason Wallace is anti-dispensationalism. He, uh, he's tried to converting me to some Orthodox Presbyterian church thoughts and convictions before uh, to no success, but he, he's a nice guy. He's a friend. Uh, he just, we just disagree we just on this. Dis yeah. And this documentary is a bit outlandish. I should also mention Ken hasn't seen any of it. That's correct. <laughs> I have not, this is, this is, this is truly a, a first reaction for me. This is, I'm coming in with zero experience here of, of this uh, video documentary. So you ready to jump into this, Kenny, Kenny? Let's I'm going to share it. my screen here and uh, we will we'll get into it. Okay. Y'all ready for this? Dun, 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 dun. Okay. So we are, uh, again, jumping in about the hour and a half mark. And he's going to be talking about some different um, uh, topics within dispensationalism here. He refers to John MacArthur on a couple of occasions. And uh, I'm just going to pause it where I think it's appropriate, and um, we'll we'll chat about what he says in the video. Okay, here we go. It's clear in Romans nine that they are not all Israel who are of Israel. There was a visible ecclesia and a spiritual one, according to election, even in the Old Testament. The New Testament ecclesia still contains ethnic Jews, and the promise seems to be that more will be grafted in. But dispensationalists tell us that to call that the Israel of God would make God a liar. All right. So I'm going to just pause right there. There, There's always been two types of Israel. Ken, there's been a spiritual Israel and a physical, ethnic, national Israel. And uh, Gentiles have been grafted into the spiritual Israel, uh, which is the the Israel that Paul talks about. In the New Testament, uh, the we are Israel in that sense, but dispensationalists reject that framework, and in fact, they they say that that makes God a liar, and he'll go on to uh, share a clip where John MacArthur says that very thing. But uh, what's your first re response to that? There, this whole this whole concept. I mean, is there is there a spiritual Israel and a physical or a physical Israel? I mean, there's so okay. There's several several threads that I'm trying to pull together in my mind. Pick right a now. lane. Pick yeah, a lane. Yeah, yeah. So obviously, there is the language that Paul uses of you know not all are um, not all Israel who are Israel, right? I think he's referring yes. to that text there. So so there is the concept of there's the spiritual line and then there's the physical line that descend from Abraham. And Paul uses that language also. It's in Galatians, I believe. Uh, is that right? Where he talks about. Yep, um, Galatians six sixteen, the Israel of God. 
Well, I thought there was another text where he's specifically talking about uh, the sons of Israel. Uh, maybe that's in, in Romans as well. Um, or maybe you're, you're or thinking of Galatians Abraham. 3, the seed of Abraham? Seed of Abraham, yeah. That, that's, I think that might be what I'm thinking of. Uh, so there's the, the concept of, you know, we are children of Abraham by faith. And one of the things I think is interesting about that is um, Abraham isn't Israel. Like like Israel yeah. descends from Abraham, and so being yeah. children of Abraham by faith, we 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 get some some of the blessings. You know, through you, all the families of the earth will be blessed. Well, as the church, we're recipients of that blessing, but that doesn't mean that we are Israel, right? We're, yeah, well, yeah, being a child of Abraham doesn't make you an Israelite. Just ask Ishmael and his descendants, right? right. Yep. Uh, it's it's really being a descendant of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Jacob, yes. whose name was changed to Israel. If you're a descendant of Jacob, you're you've descended from Israel. Yes, and so I think a similar thing can be said for you know the people of Israel themselves, as far as all those who not not all of physical Israel are redeemed because not all had faith. Right. Yeah. I mean, uh, yeah. You think about the whole uh, clan. Uh, I say clan, but that actually has a, a meaning different than what I was going to use it as. You think about the whole group of all the Israelites who would. Uh, come to the Day of Atonement, as described in Leviticus 16, Yom Kippur, as we call it today, where you've got the the two goats. One is the scapegoat that goes out to the wilderness that carries their sins far away after Israel's sins were pronounced over it. The other goat is sacrificed on behalf of the people. The high priest takes the blood into the Holy of Holies. I mean, it's this amazing event that purges sin from Israel uh, in the cer- ceremonial act once a year. Um, Every single human being that attended that event, do you think every single one of them was a believing Israelite? Probably not. Probably not. I mean, we, we we don't have percentages. It's just logic tells you that, right? I mean, it's the kind of the same thing like everybody who's at our our Easter morning Sunday worship service, this once a year ceremonial thing that we do. Uh, are all of them going to heaven? Well, probably not. Well, you there look are probably at- those... That, that one that aren't believing. It's the same thing. You, you look at what Isaiah says in Isaiah chapter 1 about God says, I hate your festivals, I hate your sacrifices. Yes. These people were religiously practicing Jews, yep. but their hearts were far from God. Yes, and so those who are far from God, were they true believers? No. I mean, those who rejected the faith that was to accompany those ceremonies, they were not redeemed people. Their sins weren't being forgiven or overlooked as... Uh, Paul describes it um, in the New Testament. Uh, you know that there wasn't anything happening in that ceremony that was affecting them because there was no faith. We know that the blood of goats and bulls does not take away sin, right? It's uh, believing in God, and it's a, a spiritual transaction, just like with Abraham, the believer, when he believed in believed God, it was credited to him as righteousness. Mm-hmm. And but these ceremonies, of course, illustrate the penalty that sin deserves, the the ugliness of sin, the rebellion against God, and all of that, yet there is no any there's no effect at all if there is no faith. And so there is a true Israel within mm-hmm. all of ethnic Israel. We totally recognize that. Yep. However, that true Israel are all still actual Israelites <laughs> right. who are descended from Jacob. <laughs> uh, n- never does the Bible say that that true Israel now also includes uh, you know, people who are not descended from Jacob who believe. Yeah. No, not, the Bible never makes that leap. And so um, 
to say that we are grafted in to becoming Israelites in any sense is foreign to the way the Bible uses the term Israel or Israelite. So I think there is, you know, I think we can be be clear about what what are we grafted into. You know, if we're rejecting the concept, we're not being grafted into Israel, thereby becoming Israel. What are we being grafted into? And if you look at that text and the way the language talks about it, I, this is where this is where I think perhaps the uh, you know um, the history of dispensationalism might cloud things a little bit because you know people talk about you know the two peoples of God and the way I would articulate this is you know Israel is a branch on the tree of of the one people of God and believing Gentiles are grafted into the tree of the people of God. So there is one people of God, even with different branches, because that text also speaks of Israel is going to be grafted back in someday. Yes. Right? They're, they're, they, they've been cut off, but they're going to be grafted back in because one day, as, as Romans also says, all Israel will be saved. Israel's going to come to a point of repentance. So there's we can't say that they're, we're grafted into Israel, but we can say we're grafted into the people of God. Yeah, and, and we, of course, are affected by the covenant blessings Yes, God made to Abraham that through him all the nations of the world would be blessed. I mean, the, yes. we're living that right now, aren't we? Um, that the seed Jesus has come, and we are blessed through him by being believers, identifying with Abraham who believed and his faith was credited to him as righteousness. So, yeah, I mean, people can get freaked out just even the illustration you use that. Um, yeah, we're grafted into the tree as a branch, but Israel is still its own branch. Well, no, that that can't be because, um, you know, we're there's one new man. There's no more distinction at all. Mm-hmm. And this kind of leads us off in another direction. I don't know exactly how we want to go down that road or if we want to go down that road, but I'll just speak to it for 90 seconds here. Um, yes, we are one new man in Christ and the church. The church is this mysterious organism that's been revealed for this period of time where there is neither Jew nor Gentile. But what what makes it amazing that we are one new man? It's that it's a new work of God and that the old division between Jew and Gentile, namely the law, has been abolished in the body of Christ, it says in Ephesians chapter 2. And so we are now reconciled as one new man. That reconciliation can only exist if we maintain some level of identity as Jew and Gentile. If we drop all that identity, mm-hmm. then there is no reconciliation anymore. Then we're the exact same. But we're not the exact same. There's still some level of distinction, just like there is no male and female in Christ. Right. Well, there still is male and female. Uh, we recognize that. There's no Jew or Gentile in Christ. We all come to Christ equally. And yet there is still this distinction of who we are as human beings uh, and who God has, has designed us to be and how he's laid out the boundaries of our habitation. As Paul says in Acts 17, we are ethnically different and that does have implication for how we will live out and experience this salvation that God has for us in Mm. his program. Mm. Like in Isaiah 19, where it says there's Israel and Egypt and the Assyrians and they're living in harmony here in this future time where they're no longer enemies, but they're all God's people. And yet they all maintain these ethnic differences like different branches, but of the same tree. And it's a beautiful yeah. thing. Amen. All right. Enough of that. Yeah. Let's go back to the video here. He's going he's gonna to share some Jay with us. If you have the church receiving all the promises for Israel, then God was a liar because God made promises to Israel, which he is not keeping. 
What promises has God made to Israel that he hasn't kept? And the Lord gave unto Israel all the land which he sware to give unto their fathers, and they possessed it and dwelt therein. And the Lord gave them rest round about according to all that he sware unto their fathers, and there stood not a man of all their enemies before them. The Lord delivered all their enemies into their hand. There failed not aught of any good thing which the Lord had spoken unto the house of Israel. All came to pass. All right, so we'll pause there. And basically the argument now is, uh, you know, John MacArthur was saying in that sermon, which for those just listening, it had a, a date on it, 1973. Uh, so that he preached way back when, 40 no, 50 years ago. My goodness. Um, he said, look, God made these promises to Israel, to actual national Israel. And if you say, no, actually, he didn't mean the words that he said. He had a spiritual definition behind all those things that they didn't understand. And now we, as the church, we are actual Israel, and we get all those promises. You're actually making God a liar by saying he didn't mean what he said to those people at that time in that context. And um, Jason Wallace here, who made the documentary, is responding to that by basically saying, no, um, there's nothing left that's owed to national Israel. He's almost saying, like, yes, at a point in time, God did make a promise to national Israel only and not spiritual Israel that includes us. And he promised them this land. And in Joshua 21, it says that he fulfilled that promise of giving them land. This is in the uh, the King James Version. He gave them the land uh, that he sware to give them unto their fathers. They possessed it. They dwelt therein. And there failed not aught of any good thing which the Lord had spoken unto the house of Israel all came to pass. So he kicks it back over to the dispensationals and says, what do you say to that? So, Ken, you're over here saying there's a future for national Israel in their land, but that promise is done. So what say you? Well, that is, there's there's two things, uh, or maybe there's probably more than two things. But to start, you know, if you just keep reading your Bible, uh, you get from Joshua and you come into Judges and you read Judges chapter 1, but Manasseh did not take possession of and then you skip down. Ephraim did not drive out. Zebulun did not drive out. Asher did not drive out, and so on and so forth, where, yeah, they came into the land, and they took possession of the land, but it was not a complete conquest. It was not a complete conquest of, of entering into the land, because Judges shows very clearly that they failed, and then God judges the people because they failed to do uh, what he had instructed them to do as in regards to uh, the people living in the land at that time. So, that's one thing. Uh, how yeah, well, and I, just to add just a little word to that. I mean, yeah, that is so critical. Uh, he was reading from Joshua 21. There are other places in Joshua where it talks about they hadn't yet conquered all of the land. Okay, so that's also important that that's going on in Joshua. And then I, I think Joshua's 24 chapters. So you just read to the end of Joshua and go to those first two chapters of Judges. And like you just said, it's pretty evident, pretty clear they didn't get all that was promised to them, and it was their fault that they didn't go forth yes. to uh, take what God had, was giving into their hand. I mean, God that, that's what Joshua 21 was talking about, that the man with the accent was just reading for us there from the King James. God was faithful to give them all the land. Yes. But they failed in obeying God, and therefore they never actually inhabited all of it. Yeah. 
And if you look into the the Mosaic Covenant and what is promised there, if you fulfill if you fulfill your obligation unto the Lord, God is going to bless you and do all these things. He's going to give you the land. He's going to establish you in the land. But even within that Mosaic Covenant, there's a promise that if you rebel, I will drive you out. But then there's another promise that says, when I drive you out, yet I still will be faithful and I will restore you back again. Mm, and preach it. That is where we get into the minor prophets and well, the major prophets, the minor prophets, and all the promises there, preaching to a people before the exile, saying, repent so that you're not driven out, preaching to the people who are in exile, repent so that you can come back in, and then even preaching to the people post-exilic who even had come back into the land, you need to still, you need to follow the Lord, and he will establish, and he will bring about, because even when they had come back, it was not a full... Uh, full security within the land. They did not fully possess the land again. But the promise was, if you repent and if you follow the Lord, there will be this blessing that will come in the prophecies of a future day when all will be restored. And all, you know, what's what's that one passage that you've referenced several times to me about the dirt? Jeremiah 23, 5 through 8. Jeremiah 23, where it's talking about the very soil of the land itself, like you will possess this. Yeah. It's all there. Now, now, remind me, was the exile before the, this exile you're talking about, where all these prophets are talking about coming back for Israel, coming back into the land and having the land? Was that before or after Joshua? That'd be after. Like maybe like a, even almost a thousand years after. Yeah, um, yeah eight, eight, nine hundred years. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, wow. But it, Joshua, it, Joshua twenty one, it said all was fulfilled. So that's over, kid. It's I over. Yes, I guess. Why are the Why are these prophets talking about it hundreds of maybe even a thousand years later? What's the deal? So I, uh, I could go off on a little bit of a. This is a side tangent, but related because I think this is actually very key to the uh, the whole issue right here. When Moses is dealing with the people, even as he's given them the Ten Commandment in the Book of Exodus, he's, he's Moses has gone up on the mountain. He receives the law from God. He comes down. He gives it to the people. He goes back up on the mountain, and he's up there for a very long time, so much so the people are like, oh, no, is Moses dead? Well, while Moses is up on the mountain, God says to Moses, hey, those people are down there. They're acting the fool. They've, they've gone and built you know this golden altar thing, and uh, I'm going to judge them. I'm going to wipe them out. And Moses says, no, Lord, please don't do that. You know This is your people. You, you know This is what you've promised. So he's kind of pleading with the Lord. God says, all right, you know, I, won't, I won't do it. Moses goes down, and he gets mad because he sees what God had already seen, breaks the tablets. Well, now Moses is interceding for the people again, and he's praying that the Lord would have mercy upon them. And then God says, you know what? I, I will lead you into the land because that's what I promised you, but I, my personal presence will not go with you. I will send an angel to lead the way. And that the, the people were just so distraught at that, that the Lord would not go with them. And Moses is pleading, okay, if you're not going to go with us, don't lead us at all. Like, don't, we don't want to go into the promised land without you, Lord. Like, you have to be the one to lead us in. And so God says, all right, I will. And then Moses says, show me your glory. That's the context of that famous statement. Is he wants to see a tangible something that have the assurance that, yes, the presence of God is with them again as they're going to go back into the promised land or not back into, as they're going to go into the promised land for the first time. And so God says to Moses, all right, cut two more tablets, bring them up the mountain, and I will show you my glory. And so Moses does that, and that's where we have this so famous self-revelation of God, Exodus, Exodus 34, where the Lord 
you know, puts Moses into the cleft of the rock. The Lord passes before him and proclaims, The Lord, the Lord, merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love for thousands, showing mercy and you know, forgiving iniquity, sins and trespasses, who by no means clears the guilty, but visits the iniquity of the fathers of the third and fourth generation. That text right there is in the context of covenant renewal. The people had just broke the covenant that they just ratified with God, and God says, I'm going to cut you off. Moses pleads with the people, and God says, okay, you know what? This is because of my character and my nature, which he reveals to them. I am merciful. I am gracious. I will forgive sin. Because of that, because you are repentant, I will be faithful to the covenant that I have made. And there's a point to that, so I'm kind of going on a little bit long here. There's there's a point here. He's preaching. Yeah, I am getting into it. <laughs> um so right out of that, Moses comes back down the mountain, and there is a the people reaffirm their commitment. Yes, we will follow the Lord. We will do this. And then they go, and that text of the, the Lord's self-description of himself, the Lord, the Lord, merciful and gracious, all these things, that text is referenced within the Old Testament more times than any other Old Testament text. Mm. It is the most referenced Old Testament text within the Old Testament itself. Mm. And almost always, it is in the context of a covenant renewal of sorts. Mm. So when Hezekiah is making his reforms and trying to bring the people back to the Lord, he referenced this text, God will forgive you if you repent and serve him. The prophets use this text, God will forgive you, God will restore you, he will establish you again, but you've got to repent, you have to follow after him, you've got to turn from your wicked ways. And time and time again, that's the context. In the Psalms, the, the psalmist uses it, David uses it, to praise God for faithfulness to the covenant that has been made when he doesn't deserve it because of the repentance and all those things that go on there. And so all the different prophets use this, and it's included within the minor prophets as well as we're getting towards the end of the Old Testament where they're looking unto the character of the Lord. God's covenant to Israel will be kept because of the very character and nature of God. So that's where when John MacArthur says that he he talks about if 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 this promise isn't fulfilled and makes God a liar, this is a very big a big deal. God's very character and nature is at stake, and the prophets knew that, and they tied the the promises of renewal to the land to the character of God in the context of covenant renewal. You tie that in with Romans, all Israel will be saved. They will come to a place of repentance. God will be faithful to His covenant because of His character. So that's okay. Now I'm done preaching. Good. I'm no, that's that was great. That was very, very good. And uh, for a much uh, pithier way of putting uh, putting this and thinking through why the land promise couldn't have just simply been fulfilled in Joshua and moving on, you also just have this very inconvenient fact for covenant theologians that in Genesis 13, when the land was described to Abraham, and God says, I'm giving this mm-hmm. to your descendants, which we find out are the descendants of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the descendants of Jacob. He says that this will be their land forever. And when is a forever promise fulfilled? <laughs> Not whenever part of it is conquered by a generally disobedient nation. Mm. That uh, That is not when it's fulfilled. So this belongs to the nation of Israel. This land belongs to the nation of Israel forever. Amen. Well, let's go a little bit farther in the documentary, shall we? And uh, I can't remember what comes next. So, oh boy, here we go. The promises dispensationalists have in mind are prophecies like Ezekiel's temple, 
They recognize his vision of the dry bones being brought to life as spiritual, but they insist the vision of the temple is literal. The prophet Ezekiel gives a picture of the millennial worship. In Ezekiel 40 to 48, that whole section is a picture of millennial worship, the worship of Christ in the kingdom to come. Within the, that section of 40 to 48, right about in the middle, chapter 45, verses 21 to 25 describe the celebration of the Passover. There will be a temple built in the millennium. There will be a Passover held at that time in the millennial kingdom. As much as dispensationalists try to make the sacrifices of Ezekiel's temple mere memorials, the text says nothing like that. It's explicit that they make atonement for sin. In order to understand all this is literal, we have to reject the plain meaning of the epistle to the Hebrews. There, Jesus is presented as the substance of what the temple, priesthood, and sacrifices had only been in shadow. He's the true temple. But dispensationalism's literalism would have us go back to the shadows. We're to believe the greater, more perfect tabernacle not made with hands, where there's no more offering for sin is to be succeeded by a temple made with hands and bloody atoning sacrifices. For those Okay, we'll stop there. So this is the, a very common argument against yeah. dispensationalism. We believe, well, I'm actually against premillennialism. Um, we believe that there will be a future literal messianic kingdom. We find out at, toward the end of the book, uh, the Bible, in Revelation 20, that this will be a thousand-year kingdom. But we find out all sorts of details before that about this literal messianic kingdom including the details in Ezekiel 40 through 48, those final nine chapters of the book of Ezekiel, that talk about a temple that will be built, Israel being restored, the tribes actually getting their portions of the land. I think it's in chapter 46. So going back to the land stuff a little bit, he was talking about the tribes actually inheriting their land mm -hmm. at that time, uh, their portions. Uh, so I don't know what the spiritual meaning of that is, if it doesn't mean what it says, um, but that is a little bit of a side point. Uh, Ezekiel describes in great detail a future temple, and part of what's going on in that future temple are sacrifices made by priests who are making offerings, sin offerings, burnt offerings in the temple. And they, the people who are against dispensationalism say, you stinking heretic, you dispensationalist, you say that Christ's death wasn't enough to cover all of our sins, and that when he comes back in the millennium, he's going to make us do sacrifices again, so that way we can pay for our sins with bloody goat death and, and bull death and all of that stuff. What is wrong with you? Don't you know that Christ has come and we no longer go to a temple and make sacrifices? You are a heretic. To which you say, Thanks. Yeah, no, no. Um, was that was that pretty accurate? My, yeah, my invitation. Oh yeah, yeah. That's that's usually how it goes. So I'll I'll be the. Um, I do have a few things. I'll be the first to admit I'm not. I don't feel as though I'm an expert on on Ezekiel. Uh, I, I I have my general framework of what I think is going on there, but um, I'll be for, I'll be a first to admit that I'm willing to to look and study a little bit more. I think the concept of memorial misses the point of what sacrifices were intended to accomplish in the first place, even when it says, okay, yeah, these are to make atonement for sin. Well, we look at the Old Testament, and 
we recognize that the act of the sacrifice itself was never something that actually atoned for sin. Like it wasn't, it wasn't about the physical act of it itself. Now there, there was, there's the element of faith that had to go in with that. But you, when you do bring in the book of Hebrews and it says the blood of goat, bulls and goats could never remove sin. That was true even in the old covenant. Yes. Yeah. Never means never, but past, present, future. So it's not like, oh, there was, there was atonement, genuine atonement that was being made in the Old Testament, and then that went away with Jesus, and now it comes back again in the millennium. Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, isn't it interesting, like, on this point, as dispensationalists, we have to remind covenant theologians that salvation has always been by faith alone and not by works. Salvation was never by the work of killing animals. Right. So, like, like earlier when we were talking about Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement, those who were participating in that ceremony who did not have faith that ceremony did it was meaningless right. uh, for them spiritually, for their souls. But for those who had faith, their faith was credited to them as righteousness. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it's so weird, like the position we're put in to have to remind them, like, no, salvation's always been by faith. It's never been by, um, you know, these these this the blood of animals. That was right. never how we got salvation. Right. We like saying that. I mean, this is this may be a bad analogy, so I just won't even go there. Yeah. Just strike that from the record. Yeah. Stricken. Stricken. Stricken, smitten, and afflicted. That illustration. Right. Yeah. So uh, so basically, yeah, there will be a, a temple in the millennium. Well, okay, let's go in order. There will be a future millennium. That's Christ's explicit kingdom on the face of the earth where he's ruling and reigning from Jerusalem. Yes. There will be a temple in that millennium, a rebuilt temple that will be established in Jerusalem. According there to will be, specific dimensions and specifications that are given across several chapters in Ezekiel. Carry on. Yes. Uh, yeah, which if that's not referring to an actual temple with those dimensions, you have to answer the question, what does that refer to? Yeah. And if it refers to Jesus, why are we given all that detail about the dimensions and the gates that it has and all that stuff? Okay. Um, there will be sacrifices made in that temple by priests. Those priests who exist, exist because of the unconditional covenant that God made with uh, the priestly line. I mean, that priestly covenant, we've talked about it before on the podcast. It's the oft-forgotten covenant where Phineas in Numbers 25, by his zeal for the Lord, defended the Lord's honor. And he was, it was promised to him that his sons would not cease to be priests for him. Pretty amazing stuff. And then Ezekiel, you hear about these specific priests and the sons of Zadok and all that, which is an interesting study that could be had. And they're making sacrifices. They're doing the priestly work. And we uh, know that Jesus will be there, of course, um, and the sacrifices are being made. So it's under the supervision of the Lord of glory who died in our place for our sins once for all, who rose from the dead, who ascended on high, who makes us right with God, who's our mediator by faith alone, uh, by grace through faith alone, he's going to be there. And so these sacrifices are happening in that context. They are not going to be uh, performed in the exact same sense as the old covenant sacrifices for a couple of reasons. Uh, Number one, because those who are going to be performing those sacrifices are those who have in some way been glorified. Uh, They're going to be 
um, without sin in this kingdom as they perform these sacrifices, uh, something that hadn't been done before. I mean, you look at the Day of Atonement in Leviticus 16 and all the pains that Aaron, Aaron would have to go through or the high priest after him to ritually be purified in order to be able to even enter the Holy of Holies. The, even the guy who took the scapegoat into the wilderness when he came back, he had to take a bath to ceremoniously clean himself. Well, you won't have that exactly going on. It won't be in the Old Covenant, obviously, and that's the point that we would say Hebrews is really hammering on. It won't be in that first covenant anymore. It'll be in the context of the new covenant where uh, Jesus has come and shed his blood. It's the new covenant of his blood, and these sacrifices are made in that context. And so um, it's different than it was in the Old Testament, but it's under the direction of God for his purposes and for his glory, and maybe we'll find out more about why we're doing it then, why the Israelites are doing it, those specific priests, and why it's happening. But maybe not. Maybe all that we have in Ezekiel is all that we'll ever have, and that's enough, uh, because this is for God's glory, and if he wants to leave things unknown to us, that's, of course, his prerogative. Amen. I, I'll throw one more quick note in there, too. Um, did you know, dear listener, that new like sacrifices made in a temple in the New Covenant by Christians, it's not just described in uh, Ezekiel. It actually happened in the book of Acts, Acts 21, when Paul joined some Jewish believers. They were believers in the Lord Jesus, but they were having a hard time letting go of a lot of their Jewish practices. Paul actually joined them. He entered the vow with them, went to the temple, and sacrificed in the temple with them. And Paul was an apostle to the Gentiles, who is the one who taught us about all these amazing truths about the church and was probably the the content generator of Hebrews if he wasn't the one who wrote it directly. So um, he himself made a sacrifice in a temple in Jerusalem as a New Covenant Christian. So Hmm. ponder that for a bit. Very interesting. Well, I don't know if I want to go back to that video. I don't know if there's anything else to say about any of that. What do you think, Ken? Yeah, I, I think we're probably pretty good to leave it right there. Uh, there's okay. there's pro- probably oh, so much more that could be said, but I think it's, it's good. It's good for you. <laughs> we've made our point. We've, yeah. <laughs> we've stunk up the room with our dispensational underwear. Yeah. It's, 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 it makes for uh, fun conversations so many times. I, I was having a conversation with a gentleman the, just, uh, just yesterday as I, we record this and just talking through some of those aspects and this passage got brought up from Ezekiel and uh, had some interesting, you know, good back and forth, but it was all, all good natured. And we say, we do consider this a, you know, secondary doctrine in the sense of, you know, these things are not, we do think it matters, right? Like we're, yeah. And that's where I think that's one of the distinctions that, that I mentioned in my uh, secondary uh, column episode, just uh, yep. the the episode right before this in the RSS feed, where yeah, just because something's in the secondary column doesn't mean we don't think it matters. We do think it matters, and we do think it's important, which is why both of us kind of get a little fired up about talking about those things. And that's why people on the other side of this get fired up when they're talking about it too, because they believe it matters. But at the end of the day, we do recognize these are brothers and sisters in Christ, and we want to love the Lord, and we want to understand His Word rightly. So we're both working to that end. Yeah, these things are important, but they're not definitional to Christianity. All right, so that's why they're not primary. There's room for disagreement, but let's disagree. Uh, Just do so with brotherly love, and iron will sharpen iron that way. So. 
Thanks so much, guys, for uh, making this possible. 100 official episodes in. How amazing is that? And uh, we will just continue doing our Do Theology experience and chartology thing in the weeks to come. Hopefully some more times where we can get together like this, though. Uh, it's all possible because of your dedication to being a part of this audience. We've got a great listening audience, and we hope to continue to provide helpful content and interesting information for you on a regular basis. We'd love to hear from you. Anything that you have for us, send it on in to show at dotheology.com. That is show at dotheology.com. And uh, Ken, is there anything else we need to cover before we close this out? I don't think so. We should have made a cake. Mm. One hundred cake. You know? Nuts. Or, or we could sing the old 100th. I don't know that song. Uh, it's, it's, it's Psalm 100. Should nothing <laughs> There you go. I was singing the Christian version of Odlin, however you pronounce yeah, the name of that song. Like song All right. <laughs> Let's see if I remember how to close this out. It's been a while. Until next time. Do Theology. Very good. Very, very good.